Good evening fellow morons and welcome to British Week for our reviewing of the movies for this week. We have got two movies which are 28 Days Later and Trainspotting and we're also going to be talking about the final movie from Partners Week which is Hotel Rwanda. Uh, but before we go into that I just wanted to announce that we have now officially joined up into Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music for our podcast on there as well. So if you are listening on the podcast, thank you very much. You'll be one of the first people to hear us on the podcast. Uh, and if you are watching us on YouTube or Twitch, please, please, please go in and download and follow, subscribe to those platforms as well. If you could, that would be fantastic. How are my fellow morons doing tonight? Very good. Yeah, I'm good, Oh, so um, as you'll see on the screen as well, we are one more on missing at the moment. Um, Hunter, one half of Dunter, is uh, on his annual leave. So we will be doing his uh, reviews that he kindly sent through text to me earlier. So we will certainly be covering them off. Um, but we are graced with the presence of the star of the show today on the screen. So, Sean, thank you for actually having your camera on and being ready this week. Sometimes maybe we would, sometimes maybe we shit. If more people would subscribe, it would help me get a new laptop. So. Well, there you go. <laughs> if you have got um, Amazon Prime subscriptions, please pop them in and we'll do a GoFundMe page as well for Sean to get some good equipment. Yeah. I think that would definitely help. But anyway, um, let's get straight into talking about these. We do have three movies to cover off this week. Um, and I've not prepared the stuff to discuss for last week, so we're going to just gloss over that. Um, and go straight into talking about Hotel Rwanda. I think we should start off there. Uh, Sean, this was your partner that picked Hotel Rwanda, and I have heard she has given a riveting review to you for <laughs> discussing. Um, so, guys, sit back, strap in, and get ready for Laurie's review of Hotel Rwanda. <clears throat> and I quote, <laughs> This is my absolute favourite film. <laughs> You've just uh, stitched it up amazingly. So, basically, right, so when we were watching it, I was saying, oh, you'll need to say a few words and stuff like that. And I actually showed her, like, I loaded up uh, the clip, uh, was it last week's, uh, what Sarah had said about uh, her film? Mm -hmm. And she was just sitting looking at me going, well, there's no way that I can, I can go into detail. She's just terrible with words. So she just basically wanted me to say that it's an absolute favourite film. There's not a lot of things. This is one line from her, right? She was obviously kind of half in the wind, but I'm going to read it out anyway. There are not a lot of things you can say about perfection other other than perfection is Hotel Rwanda. <laughs> she then goes on to say, uh, where is it? I've lost them. I'm not prepared at all, sorry. <laughs> uh, so anyone who doesn't appreciate Hotel Rwanda does not deserve my time. Nice. Wow. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, <that's... laughs> Cutting review from Laurie. She's clearly Again, worried about She was half joking when she said it, but because she's not actually uh, gave me much detail, I'm just going to go in there. So she'll just, need, she'll just need to go with that. And it makes it even easier that she's not here to back herself up and uh, protect herself when you're slaughtering her. But uh, mm. so, Hotel Rwanda is a movie that came out in 2004. It is an 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb, so it's currently sitting. 231st on the top 250, which blew my mind. Um, the whole, the movie is about uh, Paul, I'm not going to pronounce his surname because I'll butcher that. He's a hotel manager, houses over a thousand Tutsi refugees during their struggle against the 
Hutu Militia in Rwanda, Africa. Sure, I think it's only right to come to you first. I've heard that nice. through the grapevine that you've watched this maybe several times, just never to the end. No, I've seen bits of it several times, as I said. It is Laurie's favourite film, and uh, anytime she's got it on, I've never really paid much attention to it. Just purely based on the fact that the stuff that she watches isn't really stuff that I would watch. So to be honest, if you haven't watched it for the full... I've watched the full film for the first time. I'm quite surprised that this is her favourite. And I've been with her for eight years, so <laughs> I'm very surprised that this is her favourite film because it's got absolutely... It's, there's nothing... It's nothing like what she normally watches. Like she normally watches like just absolute garbage TV. And, Can we just take uh, a, a minute to appreciate that Sean's been with Laurie eight years and never taken the time to watch her favourite movie? <laughs> She's never watched the favourite film either. Another topic, anyway. Oh, but, it sounds so full of love, you two. <laughs> eh? Oh, it's, ah, it is. But again, like, so I, I've, I've, I've well. This isn't a counselling session, guys. But back to the <laughs> review. Uh, so I'd seen kind of snippets of it and stuff like that. But having sat down and watched it for the first time, I actually kind of took me surprise a wee bit. Uh, and I read up a bit afterwards. It's obviously based on kind of true events. It isn't really. Uh, as true to the two events as, as some people would have you believe but putting that to one side uh, I actually quite enjoyed it and the only th- thing that I think it was missing was like there wasn't really any character because it's a sad story it's obviously a sad kind of genocide sad so <laughs> <laughs> when when you when when this is all going on and things like that obviously Paul the manager is he's never really in, in much danger so you, you never really think for a second that he's going to get killed or anything like that, or he's going to get captured or, or whatever. There isn't really a character that, that that you think is in danger. They're all background characters. So, like, I couldn't, like, I couldn't really care less if one of these background characters had, had been captured or killed or whatever. It was more him and his wife and his kids that you would kind of, I suppose, care about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like I missed that in terms of, like, a more kind of front screen characters that were in danger to kind of feel sad and feel sorry for them and stuff like that but uh, I definitely enjoyed it more than what I thought I thought it was going to come on and absolutely slaughter it but I thought it was alright uh, I thought Paul I, I can't use all the in all the Marvel movies and all that I can't remember his name but I thought he was really good uh, and I was also amazed that uh, Joaquin Phoenix was in it as well I never knew that uh, there was quite a few recognisable faces in this although Joaquin Phoenix it wasn't a big part he was just a wee cameraman who uh, was on it time to time the wee Scottish guy uh, for the, the Departed in Harry Potter I have no idea what his name is he was in it too uh, but I thought uh, again Paul I can't remember his, his, fucking, his, his real name but I, I thought he was really good to be fair but uh, Don Cheadle is the name you're looking for Don Cheadle that's it uh, he actually looks really old in it too considering it's 2004 he looks a lot younger ever since he's looked the same age for 20 years he's always looked because I, I, I wasn't sure if it was because obviously I've seen Iron Man and stuff like that I wasn't actually sure if it was if it was him or just somebody that, that I was just getting mixed up with but I thought he looked like so much older in this than what he does in the Iron Man films that are obviously more recent or in the Avengers films that are more recent as well but uh, I, like, I'm, I'm actually quite glad that I sat and watched it for the whole way through I, uh, there's no way I could watch it as much as Laurie does. Uh, like she's had about three, three or four different versions of the different copies of the DVD. That's because she keeps losing it, so she always buys it when she loses it. She's <laughs> the bottom. Of the, 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 constantly lose one DVD. Oh, I know it's ridiculous. 
There's no way this, you know, like this is all made up. Like this isn't. There's no way this is her favourite film. Sean's made all of this up. Like I, I swear, I swear to God, yeah, like, I, I have no idea what. Like, well, and listen, right? You one night, okay? So I know she, I know that is her favourite. I had to tell her, right, to, to basically shut up because she kept quoting the film during the film, and she was singing all the wee African songs <laughs> and all that. Like it's it's mental. So I goes, well, you're going to just put headphones and go on Spotify and just listen to the playlist or something. He's a day or nothing. I'm trying to watch the film and she's sitting in the back with like full accent and everything. Wanda. <laughs> it was so funny. But uh, no, actually, I actually thought it was all right. Just kind of running them out. Uh, I think it's because I had such low expectations of it uh, that kind of made me, kind of took me by surprise a bit. So I'm glad that we finally got the chance to watch it because I know that it's been kind of spoken about for a while. This is probably one of the, the first kind of films that we spoke about watching for the partners and stuff like that. I can't even remember how it came into conversation, but I could <laughs> It, it gets past marks for me anyway, which is as good as I can say, really. Well, I'd absolutely promised myself that I wasn't going to watch it. I was going to watch Deepwater Horizon instead and come in and just start talking about Deepwater Horizon out of pure spite. But uh, I have been eager. Like, I, was, I was keen to watch it. Um, I think for me it was, it, it was decent. I'd say it was probably decent but underwhelming in terms of a movie. I found it, to quote Sean, and Sean's favourite line that he uses for most films that he watches, it was just too long. Although it was only two hours, it felt an awful lot longer than a two hour long movie. Um, I know it's a historical movie and these are based on the true events that had happened, but it just felt like they stretched a lot of scenes that they didn't really have to. And even when it comes to bits like where he's rushing and looking at, looking for his wife, they'd set up earlier, you told her to go on the roof, so why are you not just going straight there? Why are you going through every single room that you're looking for? And why did you go to your room last out of all those rooms that uh, when she was hiding hiding behind the curtain? I did think it was quite funny, though, that she was sitting there holding the, the shower head. Sure. That, that I think that's what because we, we talked about the fault in the stars being a sad movie with no let up in it. This was very similar to it being a a movie that you do feel really sad. You, it's horrible. It's happened in real life. It's quite eye opening to what happened to these people. And there was a little bit of humour that came in at that one part at the very end. That well, close close to the end. That I thought was I thought was quite interesting. Um, I can't really remember much characters other than Don Cheeto's character. I don't feel that much of the other characters done much for me, which when I looked at the trivia for this really surprised me because his wife got nominated for nominated for Best Performance by an actress in a supporting role. I can't really remember her being in much scenes. She's not very significant, is she? Yeah, it must have just been a crap year for supporting actresses that role. Because that year, <laughs> Kate Blanchett won it in The, uh, the Aviator. Uh, which is a movie I can't even remember. I think I've seen, but can't remember. Um, I, Don Cheadle was good. And rightly so, he was nominated for be, uh, Performance for Best Actor. Uh, lost out to everyone's favourite. Well, I dislike him anyway. Jamie Foxx for Ray. I know it's a dialogue. Yeah. He is good in that, though. He is a good one in that one. Um, I, I, this is one of those movies that I would not go back and watch again in a hurry. 
I would maybe jump in and watch it if it was on telly and there was nothing else on. I've channel flicking and landed on it. I'd maybe catch it again that way. Um, <laughs> I was trying to think of like other styled movies that are like this, and I can't really think of other, any other movies that I would compare it to, um, just to see what my thoughts would be in terms of when we do eventually come to score it. But I don't think much happens. And I, I, when, it, when it starts off, I did not like Paul, the first half of the movie, because I felt that he was quite a selfish character, because obviously he's trying to gain favours from helping and being nice to all these people within his luxury hotel that he's in, and he's influencing this position quite well. And then they see the issue that's going on with that family across the street, and I get that he shouldn't really step in. It's not really his position to, but his wife and his family are saying, no, help, help, help. Like, you can call somebody, you can do something. And he's like, I'm saving that for us. Like, I'm saving that for us. Like, I'm no bothered about anybody else. I'm saving that for us. And then when you go to it in the movie and you've got all the people that are in all the rooms and then he goes chapping on the door, he's like, here's your bill. If you can't pay it, get out the room. So his what's been reported from one of the people that were there in the hotel <laughs> at that time when it happened was a lot more in depth of if you couldn't pay the bills you slept on the floor outside and he looked after all the people that would give him money and give him stuff when they were going through the whole using it as a refugee camp so in real life he was a bit more selfish than what's portrayed in the movie as well um, I think there was sorry to cut you off I, I read there was like they interviewed 77 people who stayed at the hotel during that time and their accounts were that he was like just it was all about money and he was an absolute wanker mm-hmm. which I was because I read that after the film, and I was surprised that it was such a different portrayal as what his character is in the film. He's always he, he is the hero in the film, basically. Yeah. Uh, which is quite bizarre. It, obviously, it's these films are they're never totally true to, to real events and stuff like that. But that that was quite widely the mark if you're going by obviously seventy seven people, quite a lot of people who are, you know what I mean. It's not just one or two. Quite a high amount of people who are you know, basically saying that film's just totally painting them in in their own light. Yeah, no, I mean, the one thing I would say is that if you did do that, it would be a worse movie. I mean, just to make it into a movie, they have to pretend one of the people's likable because if he was just a dick and a horrible cunt, just like everybody else, it would just... It would, be, not like, uh, it would just be like bad guys against bad guys, basically. So Yeah, that's yeah well, like I say, I felt that they alluded to that in the movie because there was, there was those two scenes in particular where it made it out that he was a bit more selfish than... For me, it was like he was this more selfish guy that was looking towards it, but then towards the end, he started to become a bit more... I want to think about everybody. I'm not thinking about myself. I'm not leaving my family because I want to be there for more people. And I like that because then that's obviously showing that He's, he's doing it for the right reasons and that was quite a good heartwarming part in it. I did feel it was quite intense actually when they were, he's let his family go and they're going away with the UN and you think that's it, like we're coming to the end of this movie and then they get ambushed and there's a whole riot that kicks off. I couldn't quite work out what's going on with the rebels and the army, like who was good, who was bad um, because they weren't really fighting each other and then until he's jumped in and said, I'll give you a couple of bottles of whiskey if you go protect these people and then they start killing people. I thought that was all a bit muddy. I wasn't quite sure who I was rooting for in that sense. Um, but guys, feel free to jump in. I feel I've rabbled on for ages about the same stuff. Uh, yeah, I'll go then. Um, I, I, I was going to say I enjoyed this. I, I found it interesting. 
rather than entertain it. I didn't really feel entertained at any point. I felt like I was watching Panorama or like the Patsies or something. <laughs> like in somebody watching BBC presented by Jon Snow. Like, I feel like it's like the news at 10. <laughs> I feel like I'd have maybe enjoyed that a bit more. I don't know, it was okay. Um, I, I agree with Kyle that it was definitely too long. Because I've definitely chopped half an hour out of this because you would just get Mario at the hotel and then he would either get some money or get some beer or whiskey and then the issue would be solved. And then there'd be another issue at the hotel and he would do the same thing. And it just stopped being tense. Like you never felt like like Sean said, you never really felt like anyone was in danger, which is crazy in a movie where literally hundreds of thousands of people are murdered. But Yet none of the people that we get to know in the movie—they're all fine. Mm. But I think I, I don't know. I felt like a bit like it took away the edge because obviously this is a, a very horrible thing, and in the end it doesn't feel as horrible as it maybe should have. I don't know. And not it sounds weird to want something to be more horrible. Eh? And just just to jump in there, well, well, remember um, the one thing that really pissed me off with this movie was, was white privilege, and the the people when they were getting taken onto the. Oh, the bad, and all the Europeans no. are there and they're taking photos and they're like looking all no. sad and shocked but they've got their cameras out and stuff and you, you actually watch it and you feel horrible watching that because eh? you're like that's bad that if we were in that situation just happened to be there on holiday we'd be taken away safely whereas these rested people are left to be slaughtered because that's the newfound well that's what was going to happen and that kind of left a bit of a lump in the throat because you're watching no. that thinking like god make more of an effort or something eh? like that was definitely really, really well done, that bit. It was good. And I think it would have hit home harder if the characters we saw never ended up being fine. Because they mm. all ended up okay. And I think it would have hit harder if... I feel... The next, I, should have, I, saying, I wanted to see more people slaughtered, but I feel like some of the characters we saw should have ended up in more danger, or at least like some of the... <laughs> It's been very understated that they all managed to just escape when, like, everybody else is getting murdered in the streets. And I don't know. It was good. I mean, I, I did quite enjoy it. I found it quite interesting. It was more like watching a documentary than a film to me. So, like, that's the one thing I would say. I found I was a bit bored. Mm. What did you think, Barnsley? Um, <clears throat> I think I'm more similar to you and Kyle, Daniel, is, is that... I find it a bit of a struggle at times just because it was just constantly a really sad film. I know it's based on based on a true event and stuff, but it was just more it was just constant, similar to the one we did last week as well. Um and like you touched on Daniel, I think when they showed obviously when they were driving back for getting the supplies and all and there's all those dead bodies in the road, like it is you do like it is like a really sad scene in it. But I think like you, if, if you maybe got a bit more, um, if you understood more about some other characters, maybe those were one of the ones that had died or whatever, it would have hit maybe a bit harder, but at the same time maybe had a bit more relief from the constant sadness throughout the film, maybe would have made it a bit more enjoyable, because it did feel like you're saying in terms of you were more about maybe watching something, some a do- documentary about it until a, instead of a film to be like entertained. Um, like you've all said, uh, Paul, I thought was brilliant throughout it, um, but it could have maybe, you didn't really get to know any of the other characters. Um, his wife, for instance, like I touched on before, I didn't think she really, she didn't really have any, anything much to do with the film, whereas if, at least if there was maybe 
a couple of other sort of supporting actors, but in a more a higher supporting role, that would have made it better. I would have thought. Um, I think like the bits that where it did really hit home was the bit where they went to got the supplies and they're going and seeing all those dead bodies on the road, and obviously they got told to drive the other way home by the guy that got the supplies from to see all those dead bodies. That was just like. I think I was eating at that point, and it was just the worst scene eating. Just because there's that dis- that disgusted, and um, you obviously see just how many deaths there was, and it obviously mentions that at the end of the film how many people had died, etc. Um, and the final thing was is that I did sort of, at some points. I think some of the killers have struggled to sort of see, like understand what each um, people's role in the film was in terms of who was actually who was fighting with who and all that kind of stuff, but. It was like it was like a really interesting film to watch, but it wasn't one that was enjoyable to watch, obviously. But <laughs> I think it was just like it was just a bit too full of sadness. Like I wanted a wee, wee bit more of like relief of some kind. Um, whether that was just like maybe something that wasn't true or something that was just maybe in the background, because it just it just felt constant. It was just constant sadness, and I'd, I'd struggled with that because I think it. And I think due to the length of the film as well, say it was only like an hour and a half, it may have made it made it a bit more better. But it was still decent or whatever, but I don't think I would go back and, and watch it again. It's kinda of one you'd watch once. Um but yeah, it was it was okay. You you watch it more than once if you're Laurie anyway, Sean. How many times do you think she's watched it? Although <laughs> uh, I honestly could have put a number on it, but like I've been genuinely, genuinely serious. Uh, and I'm pretty sure if I went on WhatsApp and searched Hotel Rwanda, uh, there'll be text messages going back to, I don't know, the right, uh, 17th of May, I've not that she just put in Hotel Rwanda, Blood Diamond, The Last King of Scotland, Hotel Mumbai. There's a theme, there's a running theme here for her favourite film. Uh, fair, fair play. Well, uh, African settings, uh, but uh, she absolutely loves it. I, get a, I couldn't put a number on it, obviously. I would easily say, obviously the production's 2004, she's went 26, so probably over 100. Wow. Because <laughs> uh, obviously she liked it before we, we met, so... You've no beat that out of her. Uh, Thomas, welcome into the chat, mate. I hope you're well. How, how's, uh, how's life in Norway, guys? We've got a Norwegian fan in the, uh, in the chat just now. So, to give you Hunter's views, because I just about forgot about him. So he put here, a bit of context first. And you always know there's, there's a good review when you get that line to start off with, don't you? Uh, before I give my review, I watched it last night after working all week and weekend and I was shattered, so I feel bad that I wasn't in the best frame of mind before starting the movie. I was a bit too tired to take it in. It seemed like a lot was happening, but nothing happened at the same time, which I think is a perfect way to sum this up. Mm-hmm. Um, it was nice to see Don Cheadle in a non-Marvel story he was excellent, very clever in working his contacts and knowledge to ensure the safety of so many people also the fact that the film was based on something that happened in real life and is a true story got a plus from me it's harrowing to have to live through the atrocities shown in the film done well and not skipping out on some of the things that people have witnessed at this time I would like to uh, I would like the opportunity to re-watch and restore if it ever arises, as I did struggle to take it all in. The final scene where he's trying to find his family in the hotel, I do feel deserved a much better build-up and suspense. Then again, it might have deviated from the truth, and I can understand why perhaps it's not over-dramatised for effect. 
and he gave it a 1.75 out of 5. Sean, what did Laurie score this movie, dare I ask? Unsurprisingly, a five. He didn't even get asked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking because we obviously take that into consideration when it comes to the score, when it comes to the partner's choices. I was choices. going to say, you need to put an asterisk beside all these partner's <laughs> choices ones because obviously they've picked them for a reason, so they're going to be scored high. So yeah. they're just going to end up like sitting in a false position on the... The leaderboard. I don't mind that because we do have a lot of movies that we picked beforehand that we've reviewed as well that have been scored up a lot higher than what maybe would have been. Um, Daniel, how did Instagram get on with this movie? How, how, how was the interaction? Uh, yeah, we actually we had loads of votes for Spain Spotting and 28 Days Later. Um, not so much uh, for this one, but we did get some votes and this got a 3.72 overall. Um, there's a couple of five stars in there. For people that haven't watched the movie. Um, Daniel. Well, co- multiple Instagram accounts. Well, he's <laughs> <laughs> just constantly triggering new ones to stack the votes. <laughs> Daniel, go on, let's get straight into your scoring for it now. Um, like I stated, I think I would have enjoyed this more just watching the news. Um, it's all right. I'll get up. I'm going to give it a one. Found it quite boring. Oof. And I wasn't really entertained in any way. A one. Sean? Uh, as I say, it's probably more so because I, I had such low expectations of this, so I'm going to give it a, a 2.5, which I think is quite fair. I, I did quite enjoy it. Again, it's probably just because it took me by surprise, so I'll, I'll give it a 2.5. A movie that's been constantly told you is the best thing ever took you by surprise. <laughs> but also made in Chelsea's apparently one of the best TV programmes ever as well so this is where this is where the scoring comes oh, in God I bet she likes always sunny in Philadelphia as well Bunsy no. you're next uh, I'm going to give it a two as I say it was okay but nothing nothing special <laughs> uh, and then I'm going to swing in with a 1.5 I'm certainly no rushing to watch it again go on Bunsy Mark is up for there and we're out of six Right. Six, yep. That's a 2.29 overall. A 2.29. Where do we think that takes us on the leaderboard, guys? What is I think I've just heard Laurie shout in the, be- in the living room, What? What? If she any more abuse, what we should do is keep her score out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, get, we'll get our score What are we, mid-table? About 40th? There, there, about. It's Lopez Cemetery, I think, if I'm right, which is, I'd, I'd agree with, so. Uh, I could just hear Bunsy's voice in the living room. She's, she's, she's definitely watching. <laughs> Wait a minute, I just need, need to fix it, because I was not prepared this week, so I've never had it already. Uh, 2.29... So this movie comes directly in between American Gangster and The Conjuring. How many times am I going to say that for you, Daniel? So uh, we, we've probably got enough to make a big compilation now as you're saying that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, in between American Gangster and The Conjuring, uh, below Knives Out, Gone Girl, Up, uh, those types of movies. So actually surprisingly high for me. It's above Star Wars. It's above... Somebody gave a fucking five. 
It's above it's the. <laughs> it's above the fault of our stars. It's above Bridge of Spies, Sean. Well, no. Well, <laughs> it's above Buster Scruggs, that's for sure. <laughs> okay, dokie. So now we've got Laurie's score out of there. Probably earned Sean an early divorce, and he's be packing his bags this afternoon after after that. Bunsy's Bunsy delivering his blow there. Although Daniel did mark it the lowest, Laurie he marked it a one. So direct your hate at Nisbet eighty-seven. She'll be a trusty adult in a minute. She's not got any time for him then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she's got any time for any of us if we're all going to score at less than a five. So. <laughs> you, to be fair, Sean, you've marked it half of what she thought as well. So there we go. Well, that is us finally completed the partner's choices. So we can get back onto good movies now. Um, <laughs> so let's go straight into Train Spotting. So the very first of the British movies that we had. I think there was quite a lot of votes that went on for the British movies this week as well, Daniel. Yeah, Instagram's been uh, pretty high going with the voting, so that Halloween this week's been pretty good as well. Uh, so we had we're well into the high hundreds of votes again every single week. Um, loads of people gave us their scores for this as well. So, uh, people are interested in Train and I think it's because we've got quite a predominantly Scottish following. To be fair. Happy days. So, Train Spotting coming out, coming out, coming out in nineteen ninety six is an eight point one on IMDb, sitting at the one hundred and seventy second best movie in the top two hundred and fifty. Um, the story is about Renton, a deeply immersed in the Edinburgh drug scene, tries to clean up and get out despite the allure of drugs and influence of his friends. Um, I want to jump in and give Hunter's details first because I know he's absolutely devastated at not being here for giving this one out but not devastated <laughs> enough that he couldn't go to his concert. Because um, he, he starts his review off with, absolutely gutted that I'm missing out on discussing this one, lads, I won't lie. We'd love to chat through this thoroughly with y'all. I genuinely can't fault this movie at all. One of the very few that transitions from the book to screen and it holds up on par with the literature. The cast are superb and all faultless throughout. So many iconic scenes for me in this film have lost count of the amount of times that I've watched this over the years and it never loses it for me. Always brings a smile to my face when I watch it, unlike the sequel. The soundtrack is probably the best ever. Lust for life at the start and born slippy at the end. Now that I've wrote all this, I'm now worried it's going to be shot on by the lads now and relieved the viewers won't see me cry on screen. The best best British film in uh, cinema history and I'll never be convinced otherwise. Five out of five. Wow. Who wants to follow that? I'll go. Um, (laughs) Bordy seems eager to come in there. (laughs) (laughs) I'd seen this one before. Um, I think I've only watched it once, but I remember quite a lot for the film, which I think proves how good it is in terms of you can, after only watching a film once, you can remember a lot of the memorable scenes straight off the bat or as they're about to happen. Um, I thought the start of the film with the soundtrack, that's just like something that as soon as the film started the opening scene, I, I knew I knew exactly what was happening at the very beginning. Um, each character's introduced really well, I think. Um, the voiceover that's done throughout it, I think that really helps with the film too. Um, although it's like, a sub, obviously they're talking about a drug addiction and things like that, is although it's like a serious issue, is there so much comedy in that within it which makes a brilliant film as well, I think. Um, like, the even just silly things like the sex video being stolen 
and then he ends up having to watch an archer gamble go. <laughs> also, it's good football. That's um, and obviously this is like when he was going to the bookies, and then he turns up in that tall, and it's absolutely revolting. Again, I was eating at this point. It's like I'm going to think of a bit just watching the first film and then watch something the second film. As soon as it happened, I was like, oh no, I forgot what happens next. Um, the hallucinating. Um, obviously, it makes you realise how like a dark place you can be if you are if you're taking drugs. Um, I thought Begbie was awesome throughout it. Um, the bit I had forgot is I'd forgot about when they go down to London. So, like, when Retton moves to London on his own, that was the bit I was gutted about because I was like, oh, I'm not going to see any more of Begbie. And then, obviously, he comes back and moves back in. So, that was that was, um, that was a joy to see as well. Um, I don't think there was much... much like some of the time, I don't think there's much else that um, I could add in terms of what the film lacked or whatever. I thought it was just class throughout. Um it's probably the first time we reviewed a film whereas I think that when it finished, it was also an hour and a half and I was kind of like, oh, that's it. Because you were actually, what, like, although it ended well in terms of how the ending was, it was more, it was a film that actually wanted, wanted to, you wanted to see more of instead of being like, oh, that was enough. It was kind of, if anything, it was a bit probably too short for me. Um, I've not watched the sequel, but I know that um, from what people have said that it's not nowhere near as good as this. So um, maybe they should have just had a bit longer with this one, no bother with a sequel. Um, but no, it was it was great from start to finish. I really enjoyed it. No, I'll man. pass it over to uh, Sean, see what he thinks about it. I pretty much the same. Yeah, funny though, I remember the first time I ever watched it, I was probably a bit young and I absolutely hated it. I just found it all dark and disgusting. But then obviously as you get older, I watched it and I, it is really, really good. It is very, very dark and it does portray obviously I think a lot of people who watch this who aren't Scottish will probably think that this is like a, an accurate representation of Scotland, which it, it isn't really. <laughs> there is areas that are quite grim with high drug addiction levels and stuff like that. Uh, but it kind of it, it is very, very dark. Obviously, the series I've touched on with the, the worst the worst toilet in Scotland. Uh, and the this, 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 this scene with the baby, like I, I, can't, I still can't watch it. I had to turn away. It's just absolutely horrible. It's absolutely disgusting. Like when they show the baby, and obviously it's dead, and it's cold, stone cold body, and you don't know how long it's been there for. It's really, really, really horrible to watch. But again, it does hit home that like this, this kind of thing does actually happen. So they still got elements of comedy in it. Uh, it's got an amazing soundtrack, but there is parts of the film that are quite, quite hard hitting and. And stuff like that does happen. Uh, I think the sequel. I know we're not talking about the sequel, but I think that it gets quite a hard, quite a hard time. I actually think the sequel's quite decent. It's, it was never going to be as good as the original, so just take it for what it is. Uh, I've heard, I've heard kind of, um, I got asked to bring this up by somebody on Instagram who said that they preferred the second one, like as an unpopular opinion. See, I, I, I would. Probably, I was actually going to say that that. I think that the first one is very, very dark. The second one's more kind of comedic, and I think that if I had to pick one to watch, like, see, I never watched this this week. If I had to pick one to watch, I would probably pick the second one. I don't know why, but I would just, I would probably pick the second one to watch over the first one, just because I'm more really into pure dark films, and I find this pretty dark again. The, couple of the moments we've covered and stuff like that, like especially the baby scene, like that's up there with one of the worst films in that I've ever seen in, in film before. It, it really, really turns my stomach. 
but again, there is so many good characters as well. But obviously, Begbie, the yeah, Spud's Spud's my favourite character. Very good for the for the for the job interview. And stuff. <laughs> it's just absolutely tremendous. Uh, and like again, like it's it's funny watching it because obviously this is we're not from Edinburgh, but we're not far away from Edinburgh. So you know people that talk like this and they talk that rapid and stuff. I, I can't imagine how people. Even in England, or never mind Australia, or whatever, you're watching this, and you can understand what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I remember uh, when James Bond took him out, uh, one of my pals uh, was in Australia at the time, and uh, he said that like, they were showing it in the cinema, and he went to see it, th- he, he, he went to see it, well, he never went three times, but he went, one of his pals went, he was wearing somebody else, and each time they went, there was only two other people in the cinema. Like, it just kind of, just kind of found that a bit funny, nobody's got a fucking clue what we're talking about, but, uh, no, nah, I, I think it's brilliant. Uh, at times, I do think people hold it a bit higher than what it really is. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's perfect. I definitely wouldn't say it's a five out of five. Uh, but I, it is. It is good, and it is. It is watchable. Like I would definitely go back and watch it. But if I had to pick a film, one or two, just to watch on a Sunday afternoon, I would pick James Bond two. And again, I don't. I also. I think the Chainsporting 2 and I know some of the songs are similar I think that's got a better soundtrack as well. Oh. I feel like I, I need to go back and watch Chainsporting 2 Say again Kyle So I, f- I feel like I need to go back and watch Chainsporting 2 because I remember at the time when I watched it not enjoying it and Sean's gave quite a good write up there so maybe something I might stick on the next couple of nights just to give me a reminder of what it was actually about For this film right obviously you've all covered really well the good points here <clears throat> My favourite character in the whole thing was Tommy. I thought Tommy plays such an important part of the whole story because obviously the story is about these people that get addicted to the drugs and the issues that are going through. But he's the he's the one that starts off. He's not into it. It's not his thing. He's well behaved. He's got his head together, and then something changes in his life that to him is a life changing experience, and it's made him want to get involved in this thing that he's been sold down by his friends as being the best thing ever. So they talk about it as better, like, what is it? So many times better than the best orgasm you've ever had in your life and it's only going to be upwards from there. And then he tries it and then he looks to the fact that it's nowhere near that. It's nothing like he's been sold, but now he's hooked. So he's now hooked and he's become a junkie and he's become the one that catches AIDS. Not you catch AIDS, but he's got AIDS and stuff through this and he becomes a, a pariah really uh, and he dies and it's like these all these other nastier people around them because I know Renton's the main guy in the, in the film but he's a dick he's a dickhead Tommy's the nice guy out of them all there he wanted to go take walk let's go and walk up a Munro and just have a good day together as a lads and they're all out their tits wanting to get drunk and go back and get a score and stuff so I keep just inter- interrupting there. It's like when I saw that scene, I actually wrote this down. It reminded me when you were when I knew you were climbing Ben Nevis last week. That just came to my head when you were when I was watching that. I, 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 just, I could just imagine you sitting there with a can like was it Spud and Retton was, and they were just like, oh, fuck that, you can go yourself." I think I think they go further on that track than I did up Ben Nevis day. So I sympathise with them with them there. But I just felt like the, the character for Tommy is really important. I think he gets missed a lot because he's not in any of the posters, he's not in any of the promotional material, even though he's one of the main cast, which is in my trivia because he was actually on holiday when they shot all of them they just decided to leave him out, which I think is quite shit. <laughs> it's quite shit for his, like, his career, really. 
Because that because uh, those posters were iconic. That was a big thing in the nineties and like when we were our teenagers. Loads of folk had same button posters. He missed out on all the promotional posters and video covers shoots that they were doing at the time. So it would have had a minute uh, if it was if he never took a, a holiday. Um, <laughs> but I, I thought that his character was really really important. And that this movie is dark the whole way through. And I know Sean's went into good detail about the baby there and. I think now watching this as, as an older person that's now got kids in his life, when you watch it and you see this baby rolling around and just crawling around a junkie's floor with all these people with no attention to it whatsoever, it's quite heartbreaking to watch because you're like, that's the most innocent, pure thing you've got in the room there and none of you care about it. And eventually the baby dies through, uh, it's not, it doesn't tell you why, but it's alluded to like starvation and dehydration that the the baby dies through it and it's quite a horrible one but one of the things that I remember being being really young and Sarah was watching this with me and she'd never watched it before so I had pre-warned her toilet scene and spud after he's had his accident in the bed with his missus you, you, oh, <laughs> you need to you need to turn away from there but I the, the bit that freaked me out the most was when the baby was climbing along the ceiling when he's yeah. when he's come down that was so fucking freaky for me. Like it just creeped me out. And watching it back there, I still got those same feelings. Like I can't believe how creepy that whole scene is. Um, but yeah. I think that's the best scene in the film is him and he's with the old. I think that's the best. Like everything. Obviously, there's the baby part, but everything about it, it just felt like real. It felt like that's what someone would be going through. Like it was fucking excellent. Like. And it's got like the walls moving but not moving and the bed looks like it's going backwards and forwards and stuff. It is, it's really good cinematography for it and um, all the different characters are coming in. You don't know what he's imagining and what's real. Um, a lot of it's dead freaky as well. All the trains along the wall, I thought it was quite clever for his wallpaper. Um, but yeah, to go back to the, the, the spud scene one of the ones I remember because it's she obviously takes his trousers down to see what she's been missing and she's just like, uh, not much. And then he shits the bed. <laughs> and it's like, ever put, imagine putting yourself in that situation where you've shat your missus bed and you need to go through and explain to her that you need to wash the sheets. But then they're wrestling over it. And you're like, because you could picture yourself not wanting to give that up because you're going to have to admit it. And then... I'd have just left and changed my it, name. It wasn't just skid marks, was it? It was a full bag <laughs> <laughs> load of shit. The first time I watched this, I was far too young to be watching it. And this was, for years, this was my one memory for this film, was the shite going all over everybody. That was what I thought was the best bit when I was younger. Oh, and the, and the, his girlfriend, do you know what movie she was in? As playing as a ghost? No, oh, She's Moaning Myrtle from Harry Potter. That was all over your head. Said, Nobody watched Harry Potter. Are you sure? Yep, 100% sure. That was in my trivia. Uh, with the trivia as being that both her and um, Kelly McDonald played ghosts in Harry Potter. Kelly, um, hold on. Who you I, I, think, well, I thought that she were talking about was Kelly McDonald. No, no, talking no. about Spud's girlfriend, Gail. Oh, right, right. Sorry, I thought you were talking about Kelly McDonald. I was like, oh, she wasn't a fucking Mortal. Right, okay, go ahead. That one was Mortal. Uh, Kelly McDonald making her film debut as well. I thought she was excellent. The scene where the scene where she takes the guy's drink off her, off him, and just necks back the two drinks and basically tells him to bolt. It was when she comes downstairs and she's in her school uniform. It gets me every time. 
Well, she's so, uh, one thing that you haven't touched on yet that I thought might have been covered by now was uh, see when the perfect day plays like that's a song that's playing in the background but it's when he's meant to be on the methadone and it goes for like that one mere oh, one more hit oh yeah back to the hospital yeah exactly all that I don't think that's perfect like three minutes or something goes by and you, you find yourself at a fixed date you just staring at the screen um, Danny Boyle well, I was going to compare two Danny Boyle films, and obviously I think we might have very, very different thoughts. I feel like uh, he was doing a lot more things in this than, he, than he's trying later on. I think he's become lazy with his later films that are not quite as engaging to watch. But no, I, 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 there's not much for me to say that you guys haven't already said. Um, I do agree with Sean that this has maybe held up a wee bit too high by some people. Um, I do think it's very good. I enjoy it. it you I, I find it strange. There's people that watch this like loads and loads, like watch it over and over again. It's a bit fucking dark and harrowing to be watching multiple times a year. Once every few years, it's all right with this one. Um, I wish they, I disagree with Sean on the soundtrack for Saints uh, 1 and 2. I think this one's far better. More because, not because the songs are better, right? But I feel like every song fits the scene that it's in perfectly. Like, the songs are part of the movie. They just don't, they don't feel like songs that are just put in on top of it. They feel like part of what's going on. And I think that's why the soundtrack this is so iconic. That when you hear the song, you imagine the, the scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. So there's not the second one that you would do that with, but that every single song in this, you just think about the same plot. Um, I, that adds on a big fucking layer to me. Um, and the only other thing I thought is we touched on heroin use last week with Pulp Fiction, and John Travolta was a heroin addict apparently and he's up dancing and fucking having a great time at a nightclub and all that. It just shows you the difference in how heroin can be portrayed in different movies because one's dancing at a nightclub, the other one's lying fucked while babies are dying. I mean, the food at the end of the spectrum. But yeah, no, it's very enjoyable. Good movie. Yeah, just to touch back on what you said there about that one more hit, that's like a constant theme throughout it as well, eh? and I think that that probably describes and explains that um, addiction that people have. It's just, yeah, but just that one more, just just that little kicker to tide me over or just that little bit to straighten me up a little bit and then I'm good to go. And it's just constantly like that throughout the whole movie. Um, and also the, the, the scene that I thought was quite gutting was uh, when he's, when Spud's mum walks into the pub and they're celebrating right, and not going to prison, but then obviously Spud goes to prison. Um, I thought I was quite a telling one because then Begbie's a total dick to her. Um, yeah. It's his fault, etc. and stuff. And there's a lot of truth behind what Begbie's saying. Uh, and I think we've, I, thought, I thought we'd have spoken about Begbie a little bit more because how fucked up is that guy? He's mental. <laughs> I feel like we all know somebody like him. Uh, I was just going to say that. Just a wee guy who thinks he's an absolute well, just to touch on a bit that was uh, Robert Carlyle said in 2009 that Begbie was a closet gay man who had outbursts of violence were due to his fear of being outed. Uh, Irvin Welsh, who wrote the movie's not, uh, source novel, confirmed that he wrote Begbie of the book to be an ambiguous sexuality and agreed with Carlyle's interpretation of the film's version of the character. Um, Which definitely 
definitely know some guys like that. <laughs> well, that's, it, 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 explains, it explains a lot. Because I also think one of the most memorable scenes for me is when he throws the glass over the top and smashes that woman in the face, and then it's all to cause a big fight. There's far too many big pieces in this world, especially in Scotland. There's far, far too many absolute weapons. Well, there was a, another... Oh. So I was just going to say, I think that Robert Carlyle plays this perfectly, but there was an actor that was offered the role first and declined it. Any guesses? Nicholas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> Usually um, him and Keanu Reeves, isn't it? They get offered the round. Uh, was it Robbie Coltrane? No. Was it uh, Greg Hempel? <laughs> <laughs> Ali McCoyst, was it him? Keith McAvoy. Nope. He would have been really young, like in '96. Yeah, well, I thought he was like, uh, I suppose now he's older, isn't it? Uh, well, it was uh, Daniel Craig. His Scottish accent would have been fucking horrendous. Oh. I actually wish it was him, because there's a wee one in him with having accents on this. <laughs> you guys, he's got a big issue with his accent. That would have been funny. Well, just After, so- after when I went to see that James Bond last week, he is a total knob, so he probably worked <laughs> the character all right. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Well, uh, so um, Daniel Craig was originally offered the role of Big Bay. Um, Ewan McGregor was the only person in, in line for Renton, although Ewan Bremer, who plays Spud, played Renton in the stage adaptation of this novel. So he'd actually previously played Renton before the movie came out. I just thought it was quite a cool one that he then... So it's strange. Um, Kelly MacDonald, although supposedly 14 in the film, was 19 when it was made. It was released on her 20th birthday. But um, a four- I mean, that's just a, an absolute frightening scene as well. He wakes up, sees in a school uniform, walks her to school. Like, how fucked up is that? <laughs> but then she's got him by the short and curlies, though, because she just says, well, well, if you didn't see me again, I'll just tell everybody. And he does want to see her again anyway. Ah, well, aye. No. <laughs> Um, to play a skinny heroin addict, uh, Ewan McGregor lost £26. It took him only two months to do this, and all he did was change his food to be grilled, and instead of drinking beer, he drank wine and gin instead. So I'm thinking about going on to the Renton diet. That might be a, a good shout. Minus the heroin. Uh, well, <laughs> but if I lose two stone in two months... Um, yeah, and the only last bit I've got there that Irvin Welsh makes an appearance in the movie as nobody know as Mickey Forrester, Brenton's heroin dealer. That's Irvin Welsh. Oh, so <laughs> So he appears in there, and I would I would say this is probably one of the first movies that I, that I can think of where I now really want to go and read the book. It's usually, I, I would want to read the book first before watching the film, but I now I, I feel like I want to read the book to learn more about it. I mean, the book's good. Both of them lose their way a bit when they go to London, I think. I think the movie kind of loses itself. That's where it kind of dies off for me. The book's worse, though, because it, it doesn't come to a big ending. It's a bit of a letdown mm. ending. But, uh, oh, well, maybe I'll avoid it. Uh, let's get into scoring it then. So we've obviously been set a high standard by Hunter giving us a five. But what did Instagram have to say about train spotting, Daniel? Uh, yeah, we had loads and loads of votes for this. Um, overall, it got a 4.38. Uh, lots of fives in there. Not very many low scores at all. 
Nice, 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 nice. Daniel, you got him with your score? Um, I find this quite hard to do. It. I'm giving it a four, just a four. I feel like people want me to score it higher, but a four. A four for there, Sean? Exact same, four for me as well. Burnsy? Um, I'm going to give it a 4.5. Daniel just touched on it. What was the, only, the only reason it didn't score high for me was just the, the end. The ending. I was wanting a wee bit more as I sort of hinted it when I was giving a review. Fair play. And then I'm going to swing it as a 4.25 in there, guys. Really enjoyed it. What does that then do for train spotting? Yeah. This could be number one then, surely. Uh, not quite. It's going to be top five, though. Point five. What did you give it a kill? 4.25. 4.25 from me. By five. That's a 4.35 overall. A 4.35 that brings us... Yep. Sorry? Just above Terminator 2. Just above Terminator 2, and it makes it joint fifth with the Wolf of Wall Street. I'd say it's on Wolf of Wall Street, so that's fair. That was the reason I gave it slightly lower. I was going to give it a five at one one stage, and I thought about the end, and and I thought Wolf of Wall Street was better. So, guys, I'm going to start marking things really, really low, so I don't need to update all the PDFs and all the information here. They just (laughs) (laughs) fucking changing this every week, Bill. At the moment, (laughs) not not appreciating this at all. Um, happy days so a 4.35 another movie that breaks it into the joint uh, the top 5 um, time to move on to another Danny Boyle movie I'm sure Hunter will be happy with our reviews then if I've scored it because it seemed like he was getting a little bit nervous um, about what we were going to give it as he was writing the review one thing I did miss out there is that this was also an Oscar nominee for best writing screenplay based on material previously produced or published but that was it didn't win it but it was nominated so, Danny Boyle movie number two. Um, we've got Danny Boyle week instead of the British week. We've got 28 days later. Uh, but before we jump into there, just a reminder for guys that are listening to us after the fact, um, please, please give us a follow um, on multiple pro, uh, multiple social medias that we've got. We've got Twitter, which is actively run by Sean. Uh, you get to speak to him daily. Um, very, very active. Daniel runs an Instagram. Um, he keeps himself really, really busy on that as well. Lots of posts. Uh, Burnsy does fuck all, um, so you won't catch him on any of the social medias. But give us a follow on uh, Instagram at Morons Review Movies, Twitter at Morons Movies, uh, YouTube. You'll find us on Morons Review Movies as well, as well as Twitch in the same name. And like I said at the start of the stream as well, we are running on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you do need to search for the name fully, so Morons Review Movies, no spaces in between. And you'll also find us on Amazon Music, which is in the podcast section for there as well. So I've covered off all the plugin. Uh, let's jump into finishing off 28 Days Later. So I have got Hunter's review for 28 Days Later. Um, where do we go? Let's start off with him first keep of all. Keep the score till the end. I'll keep the score till the end. Right, I'm going to write it down now so I remember. Uh, before I do that, I'll actually give you the little blurb about it. So 28 Days Later came out in 2002. Uh, it's a 7.6 on IMDb, so I'll give you that as a score. So it doesn't, it's the only one that's not in the top 250 we spoke about today. Uh, four weeks after a mysterious incurable virus spread through the UK, a handful of survivors try to find sanctuary. Pretty straightforward. So, Hunter, 
Can't remember the picture quality being uh, bad, uh, being bad, and maybe a remastered version wouldn't have been a bad idea. But still keeping some of the adding to the film that the camera was he drunk when he typed this to me? Did he message this to me earlier? <laughs> the type of the camera use does do. This is literally <laughs> what, what he wrote there. Uh, can tell what? with the. <laughs> I'm just going to gloss over that bit. Can tell with the actress playing Hannah. That is one of her first roles. She was so wooden and emotionless, every line delivered with the same emotion, no matter what was said. I think this little girl's like 12 in it. Um, I would recommend a job in Lewis Hamilton's pit crew for her at the speed she changed the tyre. <laughs> <laughs> he does sound drunk, actually. <laughs> is this a live review? <laughs> just coming through the nerve. Uh, that aside, it is a film I enjoy. The build-up and suspense throughout the time they are in the house with the army is superb. The use of his song "In the House," "In the House in a Heartbeat," is one of my favourite pieces of music in cinematic history. It adds so much to it, and kudos to Danny Boyle for allowing the slow build of it to create more suspense. Definitely feel it's not getting better with the more rewatches now, but I still enjoy it all the same. Who wants to follow up the word salad from Hunter? Uh, I'll go on this one. Um, I, I very much like the opening scene when he wakes up and then you see him London's empty um, and then you find out there's zombies. And then I, I, I feel like the film kind of peaks there a wee bit for me. But 15 minutes in is about the best it ever gets. Um, not that the rest of it's terrible or that, but I, I don't think the rest of it lives up I, I wanted a lot more out of nothing there. I think this would have been a cooler movie where if it was more spent than him, just completely alone, not seeing anybody, and then maybe it builds itself. I think the, the support cast is pretty shit. Um, the, girl, the, two, the guy and the girl that save him, that's like, not having them, it's not very good at all for me. Um, and then, yeah, it's not really a zombie movie, is it? It's more like, I mean, the whole world has been overrun by a deadly virus that's turned out more into zombies, and the most dangerous people are some smarmy English cunt in, like, army uniform. Like, that's the biggest danger. It's fucking... But an anti-climax by the end, that it's just some guy. Just some guys have put them prisoner, and that's it. Uh, the zombies are kind of just in the background. And by the end, it just seems to be easy. Every zombie that comes near them, they can just kill it. They just seem to be able to kill it. No bother. Um... The one thing I didn't buy it is even Kelly Murphy's character. He's a wee, he's like timid and useless all the way through it. And then at the end, he comes back as this fucking badass. Like, I didn't buy that at all. Like, there was no way I was believing that in any way. That kind of killed it for me. It started feeling a wee bit stupid. And I think, because there's so many now, with zombie films, it's very difficult because half the zombie films that come out are sort of spoofed that, are, that zombies are funny. So they're not really that scary anymore unless you do it exceptionally well. And I think if sometimes this becomes a bit of Shaun of the Dead by mistake. But there's been so many parodies of zombie films that when, even when you watch this, it's kind of funny rather than scary. Um, so it suffers a wee bit there for me. But um, I, first half's okay. The second half I was completely disengaged with, if I'm honest. So you ex Shaun, it's not your type of thing normally, is it? I really, really like zombie films. One of the, the only kind of horror kind of films that I like, and I could watch them at eight, which is sad as fuck at 31 year old, but <laughs> I, literally, you've basically 
taken every single thought that I had about this and then just basically said that this would have been so much better if it was just, as Daniel said, like, nothing. Like, the first 50 minutes were really good. What ruined it for me is that there's two, two instances now. This, they played some daft wee tune over it when he was walking the streets of London at one point, and it was empty, and they played some daft wee tune, and it just took away any, like, suspense and stuff like that for me. I kind of... It was just a daft wee tune. If you, if you go back, you'll see what I'm talking about. And when they went in the supermarket... There was a daft wee tune there as well. They don't belong in this film at all. It's like it just doesn't fit. And as Daniel said, it isn't really about the zombies at all. It's more about the army being dickheads and these army guys being absolute dickheads. The, the way that it's shot, obviously we kind of spoke about this in the chat anyway. Uh, about I can't remember the camera that Dan Abel decided to shoot it through, but it just looks fucking awful. Like, it, like that opening scene with the monkeys, it just looks terrible. It looks so so bad. And this was what two thousand and two. Mm-hmm. This came out. It just it, watching it today just looks fucking terrible. Maybe back then it would have looked all right, but it just looks absolutely atrocious now. And again, as Daniel already said as well, Killian Murphy at the end turning into fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger was just <laughs> absolute, just so stupid. Like uh, I, I, I always thought I liked this, but no, I, I really, really didn't enjoy it. And going for Darabelle's change spot and to go to Darabelle's 28 days later was just night and day. This was, for me, absolute pish. It really, really, it really, really should have been so much better than what it was. Like, seriously, like, there's, with zombie films, I think that if the first 15 minutes continued like that, and it was, like, I just think it would have been so much better. It went totally downhill eh, when it got saved with them throwing the... the, the Molotov cocktail things and all that, and then it's, it's just, and also the bit uh, where they're in the tunnel and in the taxi, and he's driving the other oh. cars. Like, fuck off! That's <laughs> so stupid, so stupid. That's up there with one of the most ridiculous scenes I've ever seen in a film. That was horrendous. Do you know just as ridiculous as all the rats running away from all the zombies that are now sprinting chasing no. something that we didn't know was there. See, that's like a that. that didn't really bother me just that scene when he's fucking launching this taxi over the cars and he's sitting smiling while he's doing it and the Wayne in the back smiling and, and fucking Killian Murphy and the last year going absolutely tonto and it just seems to be every car's perfect for him and he just glides over all of them and he's bumping and there's, there's no damage everything's fine it's just a load of shit it's just an absolute load of shit this film I really really was disappointed about it because when, when it came up in the vote that we were going to watch it I was quite excited for some reason in my head, I, I thought I liked this film, but it was absolute crap. And I'm really surprised by Hunter's review, I'm really surprised. <laughs> I actually don't think he's even watched it again, I think he's just fucking saved it. <laughs> <laughs> it was when he watched it, too. It was absolute pish. Is, it, is Hunter just drunk for absolutely every movie that we that, that, that he reviews? Uh, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. So there's a couple of things in, in it for me, like the, the opening scene where Killian Murphy coming out and obviously get to see his willy makes it a good couple of scores up for me anyway um, that's why I'm happy. you couldn't even see it properly the camera was that shit well I don't know I watched it it's with shit. Sarah so it's it, not done him any justice poor guy I was watching it, it with Sarah so it was paused <laughs> and zoomed in and rewound and paused again and forwarded um, so it's all yeah because he's not got a bit like willy and women love him <laughs> maybe, maybe time doesn't matter it's that striking good look <laughs> well, do you know what always confused me, right? So, 
he wakes up from clearly having some sort of brain surgery, a big scar down the side of his head and stuff. It's not even mentioned. Ah, he's fine as he wakes up. He can just go about his normal life again. I, I, I know, I know his mum and dad leave a picture with <laughs> wrote in the back of it like "We left you sleeping, so don't wake up" sort of thing. But does he mention it again? I must have no. missed that. He mentioned that he was in an accident when he woke up. But it's like, <laughs> why was he left? Like he'd, I know, like I, I've been watching The Walking Dead, right? And there's loads. Obviously, it starts off the same. The guy wakes up from being he wakes up from being shot, and he's in this wasteland and stuff. But it actually shows you a little bit more, like the doors are barricading and stuff to keep him in there by his loved ones. There's a bit of a background to it, and you get to understand why he was in there and how he got out. And obviously, it's a series, so there's a lot more to go into. I just felt that. That was a weird not to ever be a, like discussed again. I do agree with you, Daniel, on the the outlay of him walking around London and stuff is dead cool. And reading a couple of the bits about the trivia about how they managed to get that done and they had really small windows to record those types of scenes as well because the police could only have places shut off for like an hour at a time. Um, one of the things I've got in my trivia there is that when they would close the roads, they closed them at 4am and film would begin immediately and only had an hour. The police would then reopen the roads. The producers had predicted that asking drivers, including people that were clubbing and heading home, would cause them to be really, really angry. So the way that they got around it is they hired extremely attractive young women, including Danny Boyle's daughter, to make the necessary request to the drunken clubbers and the drivers and it worked really, really well, apparently. So... Dino Boyle, exploit <laughs> a sad, sad species we are. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> that proves the point that in a world full of zombies and viruses, the most dangerous thing to women is still just fucking men. It is bad when you think of like, that's it. These drunken people that are desperate to go home will happily wait for an hour because the young pretty girl said so. Just but it's the same as in this film. Like, the only danger that the lassies are the men in this film. Uh, yeah. So, I, her potentially getting raped was was more of a threat than getting eaten by a zombie. Like, it's just, it's fucking, honestly, so shit. But then, oh, see, see the thing with, the, with this movie, it's got so much potential with the zombies because very rarely do you see really fast, athletic zombies that are mounting over stuff, running, jumping, climbing... And they really should be killing a awful lot more people that you can see going on. And you just don't really get that. You, you, you get a couple of noises and you can hear them and the the, the guy keeps them away with his riot shield sort of thing. It's a bit like, well, give us more of the zombies being involved as part of, like, killing loads of different people as it goes on. It just kind of... He finds the two people, they go they go there a wee bit of shopping and then they end up in Manchester. It feels like uh, it, it really quickly gets to there. But then they're desperate to obviously get to the sanctuary and that's what happens in most zombie films. They're all looking to get to the place where it's going to save them and help them and stuff. But it's like they were out in the middle of nowhere in big open fields, hundreds and hundreds of food on them, a really good place they could live. But just just settle in. Settle in there, you're safe. You didn't need to go anywhere else. But I can get I get why obviously they're chasing through. I think for for it being a zombie film, there's only really one point where I jumped in it, and it's a scene where he's walking around his mum's house with a candle, and you get the you get the point of view from the zombie running towards the house, and it builds up a quite a good bit of tension, and it flies through the window, and I absolutely shat myself when it jumped through at that point, which was a good jump scare 
for this movie and then it never happened again. It just, nothing like that happened. That was the point where I was like, holy shit, fuck, right, pay attention. And then it just drifted again. The movie drifted and didn't really come to anything. And he's have covered off Kelly and Murphy turning into Superman. That was a bit weird. He basically turned into Tommy Shelby in the second half of the film, didn't he? <laughs> just like for nowhere. He was like, the bit that it's completely lost me is uh, he was hiding and he ran along and hit the guy in the face with like some sort of stick thing. He like ran past him like he was fucking Batman up in the rafters. <laughs> but it's like when he jumps over the wall and they're like, oh, don't worry, he's dead. He's got no shoes on. <laughs> what was the writing going on there? <laughs> Birdie, let's get you in for a bit more of your thoughts. Uh, I think I'm going to be similar to usually. It's like when I saw that we're watching it, I was kind of quite excited because I thought it looks if it's quite how rated, and I thought I'm, I'll probably like it because it was a horror film tape. But like you said, Kel, it's like it wasn't scary at all. So that was like a major disappointment. Like I don't know how it can be classed as a horror film because it's just so scary. But Glossing over that bit is like when Sean said about them going into the shop, like like you said, the music, it was shite. I felt like I was watching an episode of Supermarket Sweep or something. <laughs> it's like, it was just like, oh, we'll just go and get a, we'll, just go and get loads of food and that, have a wee jolly and whatever. It was if you were going and going on a night out or something. That's what it felt like. I didn't, didn't get the impression that there were any trouble at all. The boy's like loading up with whiskey or whatever, he's getting tea. Um, it was just bizarre. It was as if like, it was as if to me, it's like the first half of the film was decent, like Daniel had touched on, but it was as if, I thought it was as if it had been written in terms of, oh, I've got this idea, then halfway through the film, it's like, nah, I don't like this anymore, we'll just change the complete direction of the film and move on to this other bit about going to this, going to this place with all the soldiers. It just didn't make any sense to me. Um, I thought that um, the person that played Selena, I think her name's Naomi Harris, I thought she was really good in the film, but the other characters were didn't add anything to it. I thought it was quite poor. Um, and like you've obviously touched on how Jim just turns into this like maniac who can just go about and protect everyone for the start. He's, he doesn't do any of that. And it's obviously um, Selena that's more the person that's... She's more the one that's in control at the start. And in the second half, she just kind of goes into a shell, which is a bit bizarre. I didn't really get that bit either. Um, I just didn't... I didn't really... I think I really got it. It just seemed really random. Um, but you've you've all sort of summed up pretty well. I think, I think we've got similar similar minds as to how it was a, quite a bit of let down. I thought I was kind of looking forward to it. It just fell. F- I think as well because I watched this after Train Spotting, yeah. And I was thinking I was thinking it was probably going to be a similar level, which maybe picked it up a wee bit more for me as well. So maybe I was going in with higher expectations, but I didn't live up to them at all, unfortunately. Well, that's it. And we obviously went through the chat earlier in the week and I did the same thing I'd imagine he's all done like I, I was actually looking to make sure I picked the right quality of movie when I was watching this I felt like I put it on 360p and I'm like trying to find the HD bit for it and it wasn't that I did a bit of research to find out that that was deliberate and it was to give it a more harrowing feeling stuff for it but maybe when we were back watching this on our 12 inch we, we big uh, big massive tellies that we had in our bedrooms this was dead cool and really fun to watch uh, on film 4 every every Friday um, I'm yeah. a bit in the minority. I quite like how it looked. I didn't mind it being old and VHS That was one of the few things I actually quite liked about this. See, after about 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, I started to 
it, it never bothered me. But the first 10, 15 minutes, I was so confused by it. And then it was so dark with the with the monkeys and stuff like that in that room. I couldn't quite work out what was fully going on. And it's quite, when you see pictures of it, the monkey strapped to the chair and watching all this like torture and all that going on, it's quite an, it's quite an impactful thing to see. And it was just difficult to watch at that point. But again, I'm, I'm still thinking, like, if I picked the right one, I'm pausing it and I'm researching and I'm checking. And I'm like, oh, it is what it is. Like, I'm just going to watch it and go through it. It did light up a little bit for me. Um, there was... Um, one of the things that I found funny about this is obviously these monkeys are infected with rage, is what it says, right? The chimpanzees. If you went anywhere and let a chimpanzee out a cage, it would jump out and fucking maul your face. It would eat <laughs> your face off just like that did. Like that, that's the way that happens regardless of the fucking zombie infection. Those guys, those folks just came across as. There's no people in the actual world like those these yeah, folks. That yeah, I know because they're told they're infected. Don't let them out. Or oh, we don't believe you. We're going to do it anyway. Like Greenpeace vegans. So probably were, they'll were be vegans. That's what it'd be. <laughs> so very little trivia on this that I found interesting. Uh, I mentioned a bit earlier about how they 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 stopped up places in London. It says for the scenes on the motorway, the production company got permission to shoot in the M1 on a Sunday between 7 a.m. and 9 a.m. The police were instructed to gradually slow down traffic in both directions uh, and they were using 10 cameras to capture a total of one minute of usable footage. Imagine you work a Sunday and you're heading to your shift for 7 in the morning you're held up for an hour while they're shooting this film. (laughs) (laughs) It would piss me off. Uh, The other bit I thought was interesting was Ewan McGregor was the original choice to play Jim. But he and director Danny Boyle had fell out at, over, at the time over the movie The Beach. Because yeah. McGregor was supposed to play the lead, but he was last minute replaced <clears throat> by Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, they've since reconciled. But then after that didn't work out, the role was then o- offered to Ryan Gosling, who had a scheduling conflict, and then it ended up at Killian Murphy. Did anyone else think Killian Murphy was garbage in this? Yeah, I didn't <laughs> like him at all. I've not seen him in a film before. But I don't. I don't think he's believable in the role really as well. Like if it, if it maybe been, if it's maybe somebody with a different build or that, then maybe the second half of the film does come across as this like who can just protect everyone and changes him. You might maybe think, or maybe he was just unsure to begin with. Now he, he has actually this like force that to be reckoned with. Whereas I think the. The way, well, one the way he acted, the way he was portrayed in the first half, but also even just how he looks didn't really help for the second half of the film. Just give him, give him a background. Give, give him a background as maybe somebody that was a, in the in the police or in the army or something. Give, yeah, a little bit of a background that would explain that a week down the line he's regained his strength and he's he's back to being a bit fit and he can defend himself and defend others. You just and like you said as well, Kyle, as if it, they'd also never touched on his like brain damage or that. So if they even made comments to that, and it was as if he was like recovering at stages, but and then maybe you think, oh well, he's actually he's healing and getting better, and he's now a lot stronger. But it was just never touched on that as well. That might even even just be subtle things like that might have made it a bit better. Yeah, we just got that young girl that Hunter all did earlier, her acting when her dad had just died and turned into a zombie. She just stood there and looked at him, no emotion. No reaction, nothing. <laughs> the thing is as well, right, there's, it's a zombie film where almost hardly any zombies on screen. Yeah. And even when 
characters did die or the zombies been in it. Like, that guy ended up just with a bit of blood going in his eye. Like, dipping in his eye. If you want it, it's a zombie film. Show us I'm getting fucking mauled by a zombie, please. That's what we sign up for when we watch a zombie film. <laughs> but, oh, let's watch them uh, get angry over the egg being off. That's better. Like, oh, God. <laughs> oh God! Well, guys, I think we've shot in this movie enough that we should jump in and score it. But let's start off with um, Instagram. Uh, this one had loads of votes as well, actually, but not anywhere near as high as Jane's spot. A three point seven nine. There was a few fives in there, but I think there's a few people that also agree with us that it's pretty shite. So quite a wide range. Again, do you what? Know, those people that give it fives are probably people that watched this a long time ago and remember it that they liked it, and yeah. it's just maybe not aged well. It was maybe good at the time. Do you know I mean it's got an iconic poster as well? You 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 know the poster. It looks smart. The opening scenes. You know there is some plus points there. Um, Daniel, give us your score then. Yeah, I'm giving it a one point two five. I found it a bit more enjoyable than Hotel Rwanda. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Laurie, are you listening? I'm surprised at that. <laughs> Sean? Uh, I'm going to give it a one. A one? Burnsy? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it a 1.5. I think it was worse than Hotel Rwanda. A 1.5? I'm going to give it a 1.5 because I'd say it's probably on par with Hotel Rwanda. Um yeah, there is elements set that are all right, but it's not obviously the best. Um, you ready for Hunter's score? This is going to be like four oh, points. Two point seven five. Oh, okay, that, I thought he was going to score it higher than that. Uh, I was expecting. Uh, I thought, thought two point seven five was huge when I seen it. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> but by the way, he talked, I thought he was getting a four or something. <laughs> Uh, like somebody said, has he even watched it? Is he maybe just using his memory for something? Ooh, controversial. <laughs> Get tagging Hunter and post. Did you watch this? Bonzi, what does that give us then? Uh, 1.6 overall. 1.6. So let's see what movies that then comes in line with. We've got some titles. Like 1.6 brings it. Just above Insidious, which is a much scarier film than this, and below Pet Cemetery and The Five Bloods. So, so what, what kind of dimension is that? Like 60? 63 it'll come in at. Seems about right, doesn't it? Seems about right. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. pretty bad. Well, that does wrap it up for us with the three movies that we were discussing this week. So that's Hotel Rwanda coming in at a 2.29, um, Train Spotting coming in at a 4.35, Breaking Into the Top 5, and 28 Days Later coming in at 1.6. But before we do finish up for this evening, we are going to talk about the movies for next week. So as we let you know last week, we would not be spinning the wheel and letting the wheel decide the movies. We are on the run into Halloween. Uh, and as Sean has requested, he wants to watch as much scary films as he possibly can. Um, so I have got the movies up on the screen just now for next week. So they are Hereditary and Hocus Pocus, which I'm absolutely buzzing about the fact that Hocus Pocus is in what there. Was the, what was the first one? 
Hereditary. Hereditary. Yeah, it's got a T in there. <laughs> Hereditary. Butcher, butcher. Sean, do you know what? You can take over. Why can you not pronounce horror films by the way? Horror films? I know. Is this as good as The Conjuring? The Conjuring and Hereditary. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be fucking doing this anymore. Right, <laughs> that is the two movies for next week. I was going to come in and say, Daniel, we had a lot of interaction when it came to this one for Instagram, didn't we? Yeah, uh, Ghostbusters obviously came out close to Hocus Pocus. That went right down to the wire. Um, I think there was, we must have had in excess of eight to nine hundred votes for the whole thing. Um, but yeah, Hocus Pocus and Ghostbusters came very close. The other side that Hereditary won. <laughs> Um, was a lot easier, and I never, I never struggled. Um, I feel like we've got a lot stronger movies coming up this week on the coming vote for scariness. I think Sean will shite himself at whatever we end up with next week. I think he's <laughs> quite safe. No, no, forward to hereditary. Focus, focus on the only first about that. I think the last bit to get in is pretty scary. Speaking about mythologies and stuff, uh, malevolent is on there. And see when me and Ella first met each other, she kept saying to the ladies, we're going to need to watch this movie. And I was like, what's it called? She's like, male violence. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Oh, that new movie, male violence. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was uh, one of the movies that I really wanted to watch was Witches. I thought Witches would be excellent to watch because that is fucking frightening as well. And it's meant to be a kid's movie. Um, that was really scary. But Hocus Pocus, I, I definitely was the one that I was... Hoping would uh, would reach out here, Sean. How did they? Uh, how did Twitter get on with the votes and stuff and the interaction for this week on the horror movies? Oh, non-stop, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just so 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 busy. Uh, aye. <laughs> we'll move on from there then. Uh, so obviously, we're not spinning the wheel as well again for next week. We do have a second section of horror that will be up on Instagram, I believe, on Wednesday, Daniel. Wednesday is going to be the new day for voting starting instead of Tuesday. Happy days. And we did just break 1,200 followers on Instagram as well. So please jump on Instagram, get involved in the voting, um, vote for your films and leave some comments on it as well. That would be fantastic. But that does bring us to the end of the stream, guys. Thank you very much for your input and even thanking Hunter for his input as much as it did not make any sense whatsoever to read. Um, and hopefully you'll listen to this back and hear us slagging him off for it as well. But that is now wrapping us up just under an hour and a half, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Have a good night and take care. Bye-bye. Yes.